was interesting too is that when rates dipped down a little bit in January of this year, mm -hmm. the activity picked up. That so is interesting. It doesn't take a whole lot for the rates to drop and then people are taking advantage of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And welcome to BizCast Greater Lacrosse. I'm your host, Vicki Markison. We're bringing you news out of the business community. And some of the news has been with the Wall Street Journal. They have named the Greater Lacrosse area as in the top 10 for affordable housing, but not necessarily based on the criteria that we would think of. So we have with us Damon Olson. He is the president right now of the Lacrosse Area Realtors Association, but his body of knowledge comes from being with Caldwell Bankers River Valley Realtors. Damon, did the article surprise you with what they said about our market? To be top 10 out of 300 in the nation, I would say yes. But then being a native of the area, the region, and here, of course, we hear it all the time. We have such a beautiful place to live and a wonderful place to live from that aspect. No. Yeah. Emerging markets. I think we've all seen that. We've seen the growth in our area. It's based on economic data, taxes, that type of thing. And I had earlier conversations where it's really, we're in the Midwest. We're not on the East Coast. We're not on the West Coast. We're not seeing the impacts and the highs and lows that they are there. So we're very fortunate. And I, I think we continue to get recognition in our markets and in our region, just speaking directly to that. Yeah, so we were saying that, as we were talking about this beforehand, we were saying that this is emerging markets. So they're saying they're not looking at necessarily what we have right now. They're looking at what's to come and what are those market conditions for people that are looking to buy an affordable home. And one of the things that's challenging is affordable for a renter is different than affordable for first-time homebuyer versus someone who has a little bit more equity and wealth built up. So how do you look at affordability? Yeah, affordability, I think for any of us, is really what fits your budget, right? Yes. <laughs> right right <laughs> in, the, in that moment in time. And what's affecting affordability is the most talked about at the moment is interest rates. That higher interest rate is going to have an impact, direct impact on what your budget is, what your payment is, right? That starts to affect what you can afford. Mm -hmm. So... Now, if you are looking at a $300,000 home earlier, the lower interest rate, you're maybe now looking at something between two fifty and two seventy five. dollars mm -hmm. To be able to fit your budget. Right. Because you, again, you don't want to be overspending on that home. You just now get a smaller home. And what can you tell us about the market conditions? So what does the housing stock look like? What are average prices? So... The median home sale price just for January of 2023 was at 230000 Overall, for the year in 2022, was at 255000 Now, I think anybody that was paying attention to the market, that totally makes sense. With all of the activity that was going on, the rates were favorable. So what's interesting is that for the year of 2022, the supply or the inventory was about 1.4 months supply for the year. Mm -hmm. And it in January, it was 1.4. And 
In 2021, it was closer to 1.5, 1.6. So it hasn't moved a whole lot, but that that also reinforces the the numbers that say the last three years has been an inventory challenge. So that's one of the toughest things there is, aside from the interest rate, is the inventory challenge. Right. It's basic supply and demand, right? If you know nothing else from economics, it's supply and demand. So when you have high demand and limited supply, that impacts pricing. Very much so. Yeah. Average day on market, I know that's another metric that you look at. Yeah. Average day on market now and from the start of the year is down a little bit. I think 2022, the overall days on market for the year was 60, 60 day, 68 days on the market. I should say it days on market, it's up, right? Is that up or down? It's going, so, days on market is not, shorter than yeah. what it had been, which yeah. you and I talked about earlier now, was 70. Now, now for January, it was 73 days. Yeah. So they're on, staying on the market longer. Yeah. Just a little bit, about maybe not quite a week longer, but still plenty of activity. Yeah. So what was interesting too, is that when rates dipped down a little bit in January of this year, mm-hmm. the activity picked up. So that is interesting. It doesn't take a whole lot for the rates to drop and then people are taking advantage of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And you have an interesting way of looking at the interest rates. Like you talk about essentially don't wait. Right. I've heard this said by others and we repeat it now and then to our agents with our firm. You don't, you marry the home, you don't marry the rate. Right. Mm-hmm. So a rate is, it truly is temporary. Your home can certainly be permanent, but you'll have an opportunity to refinance. At what point in time, we don't necessarily know. But for the, I think we talked earlier, Vicki, that for homeowners who've been in their home for 10, 12, maybe 15 years within the last decade, they've all probably refinanced at least one time mm-hmm. because. The rates, your lenders will typically tell you it needs to be a point or a point and a half before you consider refinancing. But when it gets to that point, there's a lot of refinancing going on. Right. It's kind of like the stock market in general, right? But when do you go? Is it going to go lower? Is it going to go higher? Yeah. So you have to play that market, if you will. But yes, there is always refinancing that is happening. I think the other piece is we talk about affordable housing. It's the full spectrum, right? So most people start out renting and then they go into home ownership and then potentially senior living or at least a type of home that they can age in place was the old terminology. Mm-hmm. And so looking at our affordability and our supply and demand, what are you seeing and thinking in terms of how we keep our housing market moving? We're seeing the baby boomers that are looking to, they need alternatives and they need an option before they're going to exit the home they've lived in for many years. Mm -hmm. And as those alternatives or options become available, and it doesn't happen overnight, but as it evolves and progresses in our markets, that is one thing that will help free up some inventory, Mm -hmm. whether it's for a a first-time home buyer or a step-up home from somebody coming out of their first-time home. So that needs to happen in order to free up inventory, not, and that's not counting 
new construction. I don't know how much new construction is a first time home for many. I would say it's, it's probably a smaller percentage, but there's a lot of existing inventory out there that like to think that where the baby boomers are at and as alternatives become available, it's going to free up. And we're also, you gave me the statistic as we were talking about this interview. So in the year 2000, there were 15 million fewer people that was in the United States. In the United States. Yeah. So what does that tell you about who we're trying to house? Yeah. I think the millennial generation is second biggest to yeah. the baby boomer generation. Yeah. There's no doubt there's, we're adding people, period. Yeah. No matter what the source. So there's a demand for housing and you can't deny it. that has to have some type of impact. 15 yeah. million was a, was a, it was a large number. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just thinking back to U.S. history in high school, and I won't say how many years ago, but I remember the population of the United States then, that statistic was 250 million people. Yeah. And then you have an interesting component to it as well, because so you have this huge baby boomer generation, and then you have a little bitty Gen Xers, and then you have the huge millennials, and we're trying to hold, house, if you will, two very large generations as the millennials are coming into apartments and homeownership. And it'll hit a, sad to say, tipping point. That movement will happen much sooner if we're able to house seniors, right? Because then they will say, okay, it's time to vacate my large three-bedroom home. And this transitions a little bit into the other conversation you and I had about what type of home people are seeking, not just the baby boomers, but also the millennials. What are they looking for in terms of maintenance? Lower, no maintenance. <laughs> I don't know that no maintenance is a term, but it's really they want to be able to come and go and not be tied down with the, all of the responsibilities of that home ownership brings or the expense, the maintenance expense. If something goes wrong, a lot of times if you're renting, it's in your lease, that's not your responsibility. So I think they, they appreciate that. The other thing that I personally experienced is with younger working professionals, they're not necessarily of the mindset to stay in one spot or with with one employer for mm -hmm. 30, 30 plus years, maybe like some of the older generations have. Mm -hmm. right? Opportunists, they're, they'll relocate if necessary. So I think maybe the mindset of not getting into this big commitment, mm -hmm. at least for a a certain period of time or early on, that also is where the renting appeals to them. Right. And you and I were brought up in the mindset of you buy a home because you start to build that equity, which is equates to wealth and your ability to borrow and everything that comes with it. So it's just a different mindset. And as I've talked to people building apartments, and I'm sure you've seen it too, that you end up with these multi-generational apartments because you have the seniors who don't want the maintenance and you have the millennials that don't want the maintenance. Right. So you end up with these multi-generational complexes. So the I'm going to shift us a little bit to the other type of real estate, which is commercial. Yes. So we have remote working that is happening. It's no secret that some of these large office complexes are vacant because they've moved their workforce to remote. What are you seeing in terms of real estate for commercial? 
There is, when I say surplus, I wouldn't say an overwhelming surplus, but there is a surplus of office available office space. I can speak specific, specific to our market. Mm-hmm. But then as I read and listen to other commercial real estate podcasts, I've heard larger markets. So there's a surplus of office space and what are we going to do with it? Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot, already a lot of community or co-working office space created. They're thinking outside the box. It's not necessarily the immediate mindset that it gets converted to multifamily because not every commercial building is even, are you even able to adapt? Mm. But yet, or for startup businesses, that type of thing. So just rethinking the the layouts and maybe the overall use of the space um, to create some variety, make it attractive. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's slow. But sure, there's employers that are these are coming back saying, hey, it was nice to work from home for a while, but I, I can't take this anymore. Mm-hmm. I need to work from I need to work from a from an office space mm-hmm. so, and have the social interaction that comes with it. And yeah. Yeah. And I was sharing with you, I had a conversation with a company that is finding itself a surplus space and saying, is there opportunity around a community. It's someone who works from home who wants to come in for a couple hours and like maybe it's a monthly rent to just have access to space. And so, yeah, different concepts being explored and who knows what a year from now is going to possess. Yeah, I think it's a great concept. It's a great idea. And I can't imagine what the networking opportunities it could provide. Right. Yeah. Just cross over and communication and the socialization end of it. Yeah. It's really hard to brainstorm with people when it's your singular brain. (laughs) You have been listening to BizCast Greater Lacrosse with my guest Damon Olson. I'm Vicki Markison. We'll catch you next week. 